Welcome to Invent Anything by John Cronin. This is episode three. Today I'm going to be talking about the types of creativity, divergent and convergent thinking. As we get started here, we'll recognize that these are very different types of thinking, and we'll actually talk about divergent thinking and introduce five tools, and then we'll talk about convergent thinking and talk about five tools, and then we'll wrap up. getting started here, it might be good to point out who you might be in the audience and what you could take away from this. If you're listening to this because you want to learn facilitation techniques, this is exactly one of the right uh, episodes to listen to. But on the other hand, if you're individuals and you're trying to improve your own personal creativity, these tools certainly work and they can be done silently by you or with a couple people at the workplace. They're also very useful for things like uh, creating reports to show that how you created a lot of options and then how you systematically selected those options. But there's also very interesting for improving your skill with people. I call this kind of the secret facilitator, using these tools and techniques in conversation seamlessly where people don't know that you're actually facilitating. And we'll talk a lot about that because it'll improve your skill with people. And talking about skill with people, on Amazon there's a great book for $3.95, uh, $3.95 called Skill with People by Les Giblin. Uh, I must have read it... Uh, 20, 30 times in my life. Uh, as I started figuring out a way to have further skill with people, I recognized that this creative thinking process and some of these tools and techniques can basically really work well with the amplification of your skills with people. Well, where did this whole idea of divergent and convergent thinking come from? It actually came from a gentleman by the name of Alex Osborne, who in 1953 wrote a book called Applied Imagination. Uh, basically, he's considered the father of brainstorming. He was the first person, I believe, to use that term. He's also author of other creativity tools, uh, tools you might have heard like Scamper, etc. Alex Osborne was challenged. He was a consultant in this time period, and he was challenged by a CEO to work with a marketing group to help them come up with better ideas. Uh, the CEO said that there were two groups in his company. One was sort of the creative group, and one was the non-creative group. So Alex Osborne asked if he could work with both groups, and he was given the approval to do that. Over time with the creative group, he noticed as he was developing concepts that this creative group had a sort of a specific method of how they were doing it. They were essentially setting apart half of the time of the meeting to kind of create lots of options. And while they were doing that, they didn't consider focusing them down or converging them. And then the last part of the meeting was used to converge ideas. And so it turns out there was a sort of divergence first and then convergence second. The non-creative groups seem to have no process at all. Uh, they tend to just have a clay pigeon approach to generating options. Someone would come up with an idea and another person would uh, shoot it down or criticize it or try to select it right away. So what Alex Osborne did is he started to create a framework called divergence and another convergence. And he recognized that the creative group really had kind of a set of guidelines that helped them diverge and a set of guidelines that helped them converge. So to the Paul Harvey rest of the story was, uh, Alex Osborne started to apply this process to the non-creative group. And over time, uh, you could not tell the difference in the output in quantity or quality. So this really kind of worked and got Alex Osborne to delve into the creativity field. And he really had found that in the environment and the methods that you use in that environment will produce 
large improvements to the creative output. And the study suggests that the the divergent thinking will help to stretch thinking where the convergent thinking will help to choose options. But however, the convergent thinking is focused around making sure you choose novelty as well as just choosing options. Because if you're doing creative thinking, choosing more creative ideas will then produce more creative outputs. So we'll talk about the, the guidelines, but as a little trick, you can go to Google Images and just type in divergent thinking or convergent thinking, and you'll see all sorts of images that you could print out and maybe stick on your wall or use for your meetings. Well, let's go. Let's talk about divergent thinking. Uh, what this is, is a way to come up with many concepts. And uh, in creative behavior, what you find is when you ask people for options or ideas, it seems to go up right away. And if you're plotting sort of Y axis being the number of ideas and X axis being time. What happens is the number of ideas go up and up and up and then slowly slow down and then go down and down and down per unit time and then stop, almost as if there's no ideas left. What we found is if we introduce a new tool or technique, we can then go back up in round two, up and up and up and down and down and down again. And we could do this really forever. But importantly, around the third or the fourth round is where the novel ideas come out. You see, in the first sort of generation of options or ideas, you're really flushing your head with out of all the ideas you've had, more normal business as usual ideas. But as you start to stretch your thinking through more divergence, you end up with higher quality outputs. And and why why not diverge, right? I mean, your your brain is wired to do it. So what the Alice Augs board found in Divergent, and these are the guidelines, is that it's important to defer judgment, to freewheel, to seek to combine, strive for quantity. And just imagine if you're that secret facilitator for a moment in conversation, where you could literally ask the person you're talking to. You could say, why couldn't we just defer judgment for a moment and let's talk about the idea? You see, that's a way to get people to provide even more input, more ideas. You can test your own fluency of ideas. Uh, we won't do it here today, but you could literally start a counter and give yourself, say, 60 seconds and ask yourself, how many options or ideas can you come up with by thinking about a screw or a washer or a bolt? Just pick one of them. What you'll find is that in 60 seconds, the average person might come up with seven or eight options or ideas. More fluent people will come up with 10, 12. Very high fluent people will come up with 15 to 20. I myself, uh, over a number of times, have gotten it up to 40 or 50 ideas or options uh, of a washer or a screw or a nut. You should try it because a fluency is one of the behaviors that we're trying to improve when we start talking about divergence. So there are five tools, and we'll separate them into two groups. The first is groups, uh, are three tools that are best used with groups or individuals. The last two tools we'll interact with are also used with groups or individuals, but they are also extremely useful for that secret facilitator. So the first tool might seem extremely simple. It's called the blank list. And the blank list would say that you have a list predefined with 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 items. Uh, And what you do is you diverge options, but you force yourself to fill in the blanks. So in advance, you can say to yourself, I'm going to create 20 options here, 20 ideas to solve this problem or around this topic. And by forcing yourself to get to a a number of ideas, you will find that you diverge uh, much better. And if you do this to yourself over and over again, what you'll find is that you'll improve your fluency because every time you're using this tool, You're doing it and testing yourself to sort of stretch yourself. Uh, You can do this really any any place. And I used to, on my ride between work 
and home. And I talked about my mentor, Bruce Bertelson, in episode one, where he was training me to invent. One of the areas I thought that I needed to improve myself was fluency. So I literally would take a problem as a post-it note, stick it on my dashboard of my car, and then have a, a tape recorder and literally tape record in how many ideas I had. And I used to, from that first 20-minute drive, have four or five ideas. But as I got better and better and better at it, I could get 20, 30, 40, even 50 ideas on my ride home. So you can train yourself to be more fluent. And the exercises are very simple. The next tool, the second tool for divergence is diverging out loud. Uh, This is best with groups and individuals. Basically, you define a topic. And basically, what happens is you'll ask each person to generate options. You can do it round robin or you can just do it and have it just being done random. And this continues until the group runs out. Seems simple enough, right? Well, you want to make sure you monitor the guidelines again, though, for a judgment, free will, seek to combine, strive for quantity. Because if you find people actually providing judgment, that's, a, that's an idea or option killer. So you have to make sure that people stay with the guidelines. An experiment, even, if you want to watch what happens. You could actually, at some point, try to add judgment and watch what happens because the ideas will slow down. I had a client once who was a, a manager of the team, and uh, I noticed that he was sort of criticizing and, and judging, so I explained the guidelines to him yeah, one-on-one uh, between uh, breaks. And he, w- he did marvelous after the break, although at the end he basically pulled people aside and said, those were great ideas, but you, Bob, personally, um, he would tell the employees that he didn't care much for the way they uh, were thinking. And I just thought that was so contrary to what we were doing. So it's important that management understands that this is a really useful tool called divergence, but to monitor the guidelines is pretty critical. The next divergent tool called Divergent Silently is a tool also very good for groups or individuals. Uh, this is great for introverts. I think we covered in episode two that extroverts and introverts are different in terms of the style of uh, creativity. Uh, for instance, introverts tend to generate fewer but higher quality ideas, whereas extroverts tend to create lots of ideas, and most of them you know, are kind of off the wall or wouldn't work or really not to the point. So divergence silently is very important. Again, you define the topic, you restate the guidelines, each person writes down their ideas, and then once you're done, you watch the crowd, and then you round-robin everybody saying their ideas out. This is a great secret uh, facilitator trick, by the way. Asking groups to share out loud is one thing, but if you are basically a person in a session where you're the one jumping out with the ideas, if maybe in the next session you don't do that, you simply sit there silently, let everybody else come up with ideas, you write down your ideas, and at the end people look at you and you might explain a couple of ideas you had and say you'll just send by email the rest of the ideas because you didn't want to waste their time. But the trick could be that some of your best ideas weren't shared. So people start recognizing that you have lots of ideas, but when you're interacting with people, you don't have to push them directly yourself. It's a great trick. So this facilitation technique of divergence silently is, I think, always done best if you've already diverged out loud. If you ever diverge out loud, you should always diverge silently and vice versa. Because if you just diverge out loud and that's all you do, you'll be dealing only with the extroverts. Now, the fourth tool, the fourth divergent tool, is pre-selected categories. And this is not only good with groups and individuals, but also great with the secret facilitator. Here what we do is we come up with the main topic, but what we do is create categories. And we ask the people to come up with options inside those categories. 
So it's a little bit more complex. It's still divergent, either out loud or silently, but you're asking it to do it within subtopics. You repeat this until all the categories are filled, and then the facilitator goes quickly through each category again, just to make sure there's any cleanup of any ideas that were missed. Let's sort of provide this as just an example. Suppose that I wanted to sit down in my kitchen and come up with sort of ideas that I'm gonna do for cleaning the kitchen. Pretty simple, right? How many ideas do I have that I think maybe I can do on the weekend? Well, I might be doing that by scanning the room and thinking about what I would have to do. Let's do it a different way. Before we generate and diverge options for cleaning the kitchen, why don't we first generate a list of all the things in the kitchen? I have the stove, the refrigerator, I have the coffee maker, I have uh, the sink, I have the chairs, I have the counter, I have the, the knife cutting board, I have the stove, I have all those things. But now with those categories, if I say, what would be some ideas in cleaning the refrigerator or ideas in cleaning the coffee maker, you will find that you end up with a tremendously large amount of ideas. The power of the human mind to focus successively at different levels has always intrigued me. And this is a wonderful way of getting going. The next divergent tool is called Mind Mapping by Tony Buzan. Uh, this is also very good for groups and for individuals and the secret facilitator. Note here that you can easily get on Amazon and find books about Tony Buzan. And note here that this uh, technique is something they even taught kids in uh, grade school. But what you do is you start off by generating a topic and putting a circle around it. Let's just say that you want to lose weight and you put in the topic, I want to lose weight. And then you draw an arrow from that to another circle that you fill in, uh, which is just a concept related to it, like no snacks. Or you go back to that center circle and come up with another one, like I'm going to count my chewing. And then what happens is if you're going to have no snacks, maybe from that circle, it leads to another circle, which is don't eat before bed. And so what happens here is you're generating kind of a map of thoughts all connected with the root being how to be on a diet. It's a wonderful example of how to diverge because it gives you sort of a graphical connection to it as well. I once had uh, dinner with Tony Buzan in the Auto World Club in uh, the UK. Uh, fascinating guy. And uh, I hope you always remember to give him credit with this uh, uh, mind mapping technique. Uh, but we talked for about two or three hours on the difference between mind mapping and pre-selected categories. Uh, there's, there's strength in both of them. One is creating the categories as you go, which is mind mapping. The other is getting the categories first and getting options from it. Let's bring up the next topic, convergent thinking. Convergence is something which I know you can do because you do it all the time. But using the guidelines is going to be super tough here because the guidelines for convergence are something that we generally don't follow at all. Uh, I think we're much better at convergence than we are at divergent, and that's because the brain is kind of wired to be the judge versus wired to be outwardly creative in terms of uh, options. Why not converge with creativity in mind? Why not sort of get rid of the bias of judgment, suspend that, and why don't we converge with creativity? So if I talk about convergence, what Alex Osborne found and defined was four options, four guidelines. Stay on course is the first thing. Make sure that what you're converging on is what you had as the starting point that you wanted to do. Be deliberate that you're you're making sure that you are actually selecting options for the criteria of success. But consider novelty when you're converging. This is what Alex Osborne found. It's great to converge and go back to the ideas that you've done. It's even better to converge and come up with ideas that maybe are more novel. That means that the output would be novel, which then means you have creative output. And then, of course, using affirmative judgment. 
is to look at ideas and be very affirming of them uh, in terms of saying how good they are or how they could help versus criticizing. Warning here that the methods require that you could do a better job uh, as a mental checklist if you had a poster on the wall of the convergent guidelines. Consider doing these in the order that I just mentioned, staying on course, being deliberate, consider novelty, and use affirmative judgment. And also keep the eye of novelty in this because this is where creative output comes from. We did talk about novelty in sort of episode two of Adapter versus Innovator, and this is a great way if you're a sort of an adapter to help choose innovative ideas or if you're an innovator to help choose adaptive ideas. There are five convergent tools we're going to talk about, once again, separated into two groups. For groups or individuals, we'll talk about the tools of categorization, multi-voting, and evaluation matrix. And for groups or individuals or that secret facilitator, the tools of advantages, limitation, or uniqueness, we call ALU, or the lion's den. Now, when we go through these uh, five convergent tools, it turns out they're best done in order, whereas categorization deals with helping you define lots of options more quickly. Multi-voting gets you through many options more quickly. You then compare it down to a set of options with criteria. That would be the evaluation matrix. And as you're getting down to one or two or three or four ideas you want to select from, using ALU or the Lion's Den is a great way of doing that. So let's talk about convergence. Uh, the first tool is called categorization. Again, done best with groups of individuals. What happens here is that you uh, ask a person to look at the options. Maybe they're posting notes on the board. And what they do is they take that option and they create a category name for it. And they put that category name down and they put this option underneath it. They then look at the next option or idea and ask, does it fit in that category or not? If it doesn't, they create a new category name and so on and so forth. And what happens is as you're, as you're converging all these ideas, before you do anything, you're at least getting them into categories. This is very, very powerful. Note that if you use pre-selected categories in divergence, that is, remember the kitchen, uh, where you're pre-selecting categories that diverge in. Well, if you've done that, this is automatic in this uh, convergent tool. You've already got the categories. A couple of notes here that teams versus individuals can do the categorization. It could be variability in what the names of the categories are, but don't worry about that. It won't change the outcome much. Maybe sometimes one option belongs in two categories, and that's fine. Make a copy of it and put them in both. And sometimes at the end of it, it's very surprising. You say, you know what? We did all this divergence, but we missed the category. So why don't you create that category and go back and diverge for it? The second tool, multi-voting, and this is doing it as a group in public, is also good with groups or individuals. But what happens here is you just take the, the, uh, the total ideas on the whiteboard, if you will, or the total post-it notes, and really give each person a set of dots to check. Maybe there's 100 options out there, and you give them a set of dots. Usually it's the number of dots is equal to the number of options divided by the number of people divided by two. It's just kind of a rule of thumb. So if you had uh, 100 options and you had 10 people, 100 divided by 10 is 10. And then and divided by two, you give everybody five options. And what happens here is by doing this, you end up uh, uh, recognizing you can either define the criteria in advance or not. You could ask management not to vote or to be the last. And it's okay to debate and have conversations because this is out loud, of course. The next tool is a second part of this. Is This is multi-voting anonymously. It's the same process, but this time people don't go up and, and vote where you can see you're asking them to vote on the number of ideas, one through 100, and they pass in their slip and then someone tallies them up. Once again, same thing about criteria. It may not be uh, best to say it in advance, or it could be. 
as that will help the conversation be more restrictive. And conversation is not allowed here. It doesn't matter now if management goes first or not because they'll just be part of the crowd. The next conversion tool, again, done well with groups or individuals is called the evaluation matrix. This is now getting a little bit down to maybe 10 or 20 options where you write the options down as if they're rows in a spreadsheet and put the criteria of evaluation as if they're columns. Imagine if you want to decide on a car that you want to buy, you could have sports car, sedan, wagon, van, or luxury. And imagine you're considering criteria like cost or comfort or trade-in value or looks or how comfortable a ride is. And by looking at that matrix, you could fill in each cross-section with a plus, which must mean it really satisfies the criteria, or a zero, which satisfies the criteria, or a minus, which means it doesn't satisfy the criteria. When you do this, it's amazing how quickly things can get sorted to come down to the top two or three of the best options to select from. This is much more systematic, of course. Uh, there's software out there that allows you to do this. And this is key in doing this uh, with groups because you can debate what goes into those. And it shows you as a much more systematic convergent thinker. Let's go to the fourth conversion tool, uh, ALU, Advantages, Limitations, and Uniqueness. And here what we're going to do is to take a piece of paper, if you will, or a whiteboard and separate into three groups, Advantages, Limitations, and Uniqueness, and basically ask for, you know, whatever the option that you're considering and, and go through it and think about specifically what the advantages are, what the limitations are, and the uniqueness. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, why, why don't we talk about an idea that someone came up with, which is, why don't we have ATM machines give the money out without having a card, just a code? Well, I mean, I would get money out of my bank uh, with my ATM, but I have my card in my code. I feel much more secure about that. But what would be the advantage of that, of having an ATM with machines that have money, would give you money without a card? The advantages could be, well, I don't have to remember my card anymore. Access to money is certainly easier, and I'll never get stuck uh, putting that card in and out. Well, what's the limitations? Well, limitations are how do I protect theft? What if someone just comes up and types in my code? How am I going to remember my code? That's a limitation. And how am I going to keep my account straight? Because I have multiple bank account cards. Um, but what's the uniqueness here? The uniqueness could be that memory is going to be very important. Uh, maybe I'm going to have to create some mnemonic tools to, to memorize my codes. The uniqueness is it gets rid of all the card readers and all the machines. Now, whether this idea actually becomes something that we do or not is going to be another thing. But I think you could see uh, the advantages, limitation, and uniqueness of an idea, how we can think about it in terms of very different aspects of it. Notice that uniqueness is considered, once again, meaning creativity and novelty is uh, considered. This is also great for executives when they're coming down to decisions to really think about these three. This was a favorite tool of Benjamin Franklin. The, the next tool that we're going to talk about is uh, number five, a convergent tool called the Lion's Den. You know, lions are very tough, and they like to attack lambs, and lambs are very meek. So let's just say that we work with a small team. And with that small team, we develop the option. We throw it out there. And we ask half of the people to essentially become lions, meaning attack the idea. And we ask the other group to become lambs, which means to defend the idea. And you allow that conversation to occur. Then about halfway through, what you do is you flip the groups. You ask the lions to become the lamb, and so on and so forth. Uh, and now what happens is that people get to see the plus and minus of the discussion from both sides of view, but they actually get the alternate point of view. The discussion obviously here is wide open. Switching roles is very important, and this can be done with different sized groups. Note that this is sort of our favorite technique that you might use for debating, and people that basically will debate will learn this technique. 
So once again, as I look at these options, you know, this idea of categorization and multi-voting is good for when you have lots of options. Evaluation matrix is best when you get a set of smaller options. And then using things like ALU Alliance then is best when you have just a handful of options. Another thing here about convergence, convergence of ideas is just the beginning because we'll learn about in, in episode uh, four, the next episode, that we can take these converged ideas and move them to a process called continuous improvement thinking, which enables them. So convergence doesn't get groups to converge on the best ideas generally uh, in, in terms of uh, the ones that are going to turn into inventions, but convergence does get groups to converge on the best ideas to actually consider to move forward. And it's really the beginning of moving many ideas to making them work. And convergence here is not about enabling ideas. It's, it's really about selecting the best ideas or options to move forward. So in wrapping up, we've talked in episode two about the fundamentals of creativity. In this episode, we've talked about types of creativities here called divergent and convergent thinking. In our next episode, we're going to talk about a very powerful technique called associative thinking. Uh, and then after that, taking the ideas that you've picked from the associative thinking for continuous improvement thinking. And after episode four, you'll have the basics about how to be a creativity facilitator consultant if you want. Uh, and this is the foundation for moving forward and all the tools and techniques we're going to use for invention and innovation and intellectual property. But out of all this, associative thinking is really the most powerful foundation in creative thinking. I almost always, if only given time to talk about anything, I would just talk about associative thinking. So I think episode four will be uh, really fun in order to get you to understand associative thinking. This continuous thinking is really a system that we derived in order to move ideas to the beginning of enabled inventions. So yes, I can start off with these new ideas and converge on the ones that I want. But once I converge on the ideas that I want, I can then move to continuous improvement thinking. And then from that, select those to take to enable my inventions at the end before I take them to innovation in the products and services. So look forward to seeing you next time, and thanks again.